Would you stand, please, for the reading of the gospel? Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, here we are in week three of our series, Love the Lord, and it would be perfectly appropriate for a pop quiz once more. So I need your help before we get to the sermon this morning, okay? Because these, again, are verses we want to become a part of our rhythm of life and our everyday decision-making and how we witness to the world when it concerns our faith. So Jesus replied, love the Lord with all of your can we say it with some heart? With some, because I'm gonna ask you to say it with soul too, all right? So, are you ready? Jesus replied, love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and, okay, let's go to the second commandment, which is the second greatest commandment, that is to love so love your neighbor as yourself. The first and greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And the second is likened unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says all of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Continue to study these. Continue to make them a part of your life, part of your prayer life, part of your rhythm of spiritual growth. Well, this morning, I'm excited to introduce to you, probably not for the first time, um, a friend of mine, uh, Rick Lanford, um, who for many years has worked at the United Methodist Children's Home here in South Georgia, um, but is now with the Methodist Foundation, uh, which supports ministries um, by helping us with our finances and funding ministries into the future. So this morning, I welcome my friend and mentor, uh, Rick Lanford, to share with us. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for that enthusiastic response. Let's, let's try that again. Are y'all ready? Yeah, now, now, this is like the Georgia ball game. They just won the national championship, and here comes Rick Lanford. Go dogs. We are a split family. Um, we have, have one child who went to University of Georgia graduated to have another child who went to Georgia Southern, graduated and had another child go to the Coast Guard Academy. So we're kind of, we're, it's a very eclectic group of us. Uh, the Lord be with you. Thank you. I, I like him with me too. Listen, this is a joy to stand in this pulpit. I have been here many times, but I have yet to be here with Dr. Jonathan Smith. And Dr. Smith, I tell you what, out of all the appointments that the church made in our cabinet and our bishop, y'all got the pick of the litter. Amen. Let's give him a round of applause. 
I know what you got because I was his mentor for three years during the rim process. And, you know, I want to say he learned everything from me, but he didn't. I learned from him and Scott Hagen and David Wood, all these young preachers. They taught me so much. Today, an encouraging word. Isn't it nice to hear an encouraging word? An uplifting word. A word of how are you doing today? Graceful, loving, pleasant. There are too many people in the world that are just grumblers. I mean, I mean, how many of you know some grumbling people? Anybody? Yeah. Or like when you go to the grocery store, you've been to the grocery store, there's some people that you run into that you want to talk to. And there's some people that you really don't want to talk to. Don't say you haven't done this. Walking down the aisle, you see that person. You go, ah, I really don't want to talk to that person. That person. So you're just smiling. I love it. <laughs> this lady up here just grinning because, you know, it's true. You don't want to speak to them because they're always negative. Miss Martha they always got something negative to say about either the church or the school or politics or just life in general. So you just avoid them. I don't do that. I go right up to them. I mean, I just embrace them and I just have a big time with them. And I talk to them and I wear them out till they finally say, preacher, I've had enough. I, I surrender. My wife says, why does it take you so long to go to the grocery store? I'm going to get to the sermon, people. I said, because I enjoy meeting the people and talking to people. I mean, I was at, the, uh, at our Publix. This is a couple of years ago. And while I was there, I ran into a friend of mine from high school and we got to talking. And he said, you know, Rick, he said, I just want to let you know, I gave my life to the Lord. He said, but I just don't have that assurance, you know, that, that he really did die for me. And I said, well, Joe, I said, would you like for me to pray for you? He said, sure, right here in Publix? I said, yeah. He got on his knees in between the eggs and the milk. Are you with me? I'm not kidding. I laid hands on him. We started praying. And when I opened my eyes and finished the prayer, there was a dozen people all standing around laying hands on him because everybody likes an encouraging word. And we should love one another as Christ so loved the church. Isn't that great? Now, Peter was a grumbler. He was. I mean, you can't make this up. It's in the Bible. You, you know he's a grumbler. He always questioned Jesus. He denied Jesus. Are you with me? He was a fisherman. He was a rough kind of guy. But here in his letter to all these different churches, in the fourth chapter of 1 Peter, turning your text with me, he gives a very thoughtful, encouraging word. Listen, very first words he says, the end of all things is near. Now, that's not a very encouraging word, though, is it? But what Peter was trying to say is, listen, people, we don't have a lot of time on this earth. We're going to be with God. So while you're here, be nice to one another. In fact, he says, above all, love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that a great word? Love covers a multitude of sins. Words create worlds. And sometimes if I don't know how long y'all been married, I've been I've been married to the same woman or you or lady for over 40 years. And let me tell you something, that first year was rough. <laughs> Amen. Nobody else had a first Roger. Where's Roger? I just saw Roger. Where are you, Roger? Where's Roger? Where's Roger? Right, thank you, Roger. So, Roger, I'm going to pick on you today. Roger and Wendy, don't, let, don't tell me y'all have never had a grumbling word back and forth. Has it always been hunky-dory and sweet dreams and love? And, exactly. And how long y'all been married? 17 years. 17 years. Isn't that a milestone? Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> Woohoo! 17 years. 
Because marriage, it takes two to tango and you've got to be able to communicate. And sometimes I've learned in the 40 years of marriage, I've learned how to say, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm really sorry. How about that one? And then here's the third one. I should have known better. I'm really, really, really sorry. And that's carried me a long way. And you keep looking at your husband. He needs to learn that, doesn't he? How long have y'all been married? See, you, you need to come up here. You want to take over for me? <laughs> because everybody needs an encouraging word. Because, again, words create worlds. I'm dressing 6.30 in the morning. It's just getting light. And my window opens up into my neighbor's backyard. This has been several years ago. I used to train bird dogs. I, I, I love, I've had dogs all my life. And I had, about, I had about seven bird dogs. But one of the dogs that I purchased was a Golden Lab. I got in Columbus, paid $500 for this dog. Now, this is, gosh, 20-something years ago. And she was blue-blooded as blue-blooded could be. I mean, her mom and daddy were just, the pedigree was just in crazy how, how good it was. And I just had to have this dog. So I went and bought the dog. And it was a family dog. I bought it for Easter. So we named her Gracie. And, and I trained this dog. I mean, you know, I worked with this dog for, for a couple of months and trained her, sit, stay, heal, retrieve. Had her on sit, you know, back, side, just back and forth. Went to the dove shoot. And one lady said, Preacher, you, you, you killed the symbol? of the Holy Spirit? I said, yes, ma'am, I eat it too. <laughs> she, she said, isn't that hard to do? I said, no, ma'am, not really. If you give it a good lead, you can hit it about every other time. <laughs> she, she, we did not get along very well. <laughs> that first time I pulled the trigger, Gracie, unbeknownst to me, was gun shy. And she ran back to the truck. I paid $500 and invested my whole summer in training this bird dog. Are y'all with me? And when I got home, I said, I said, you're gone. You're, you're out of here. I said, I said, well, you know, we'll give you away to somebody or, or what? My girls, oh, daddy, you can't, oh, daddy, you can't give her away. We love Gracie Dennis. So anyway, she became the yard dog. Well, not only was she the yard dog, she was the hoodlum dog because she would go to my neighbor's house and dump the trash out of the trash can. And I'm thinking, why, why does this dog do this? And, and so, you know, I, I, I'm dressing, I'm putting on my tie, and as I look across my neighbor's yard, Roger, trash everywhere. And I said some words that aren't in the Bible. Are you with me, people? Are you with me, people? And I, I, and I said, oh, my gosh. And it was hot. I mean, it was like one of those August days. So I had to go pick up trash before my neighbor got up. And so I'm out there picking up the trash. And as I'm picking up the trash, you know what I'm saying? When I put my hands on that dog, I'm going to beat that dog. I mean, I'm going to let that dog have it. And, and about that time, here comes Gracie. She's just wagging her tail. And she's looking up at me. She says, hey, boss man, how you doing this morning? Look what I did. You're getting a little overweight, so I thought I'd help you out and give you a little exercise this morning. And before I could say something to her, because she was just so sweet. You know how a lab looks. It looks like they're always smiling. And she was just wagging her tail and she's looking up to me. God really spoke to me. And God said, Rick, I wonder how many times, do you know how many times I've had to go pick up your trash? Out of the people's yards, because of the words that you said. Peter said, listen, people, you're supposed to love one another. 
That's what Jesus said, didn't he? In the scripture, in the memory verse that you learned, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's not always easy, is it? I mean, I mean it really isn't. I mean, they're, 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 I would like to say that I just love everybody, and, and I really, really do try to do that. But it's hard sometimes to love one another. Amen? I mean, even family members. Now, we love everybody. We may not like everybody, okay? Or we may not like their behavior. Uh, there was one person in particular who I bird hunted with, and he was, a, he was another trainer. And when we would go and guide, and, and he said horrible words. I mean, he had a potty mouth. I mean, bad potty mouth. And one time he took the Lord's name in vain, and I just looked at him. And I said, sir, I said, please don't do that. I said, that, that, that highly offends me. And I said, I feel like lightning's going to strike. And he looked at me and he said, just who in the blankety blank do you think you are? And I said, I work for God Almighty. And I said, I'm his warrior. And if you say it again, I said, I'm going to knock you down. I'm not, I'm telling you the truth. And he said it again. Guess what I did, Wendy? I knocked him down. I did. I pushed. I did. I pushed him down. I said, but again, the reason why I got so mad, he reached down, picked up one of the bird dogs by his ear. And oh, I just, I, I couldn't take it. I mean, I couldn't. And when I pushed him down, he was trying to get up. I held him down. And other people said, preacher, we, we, it probably ought to best for you to go home. It was probably 10 years later. I got a call from his wife. His wife said, I just want to let you know, Rick, that uh, my husband is up here in the hospital. And I said, well, Sandy, I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. And she says, and he wants you to come see him. I said, he wants me to, to come see him? She says, yes. Yeah. She says, and he wants you to bring him a Bible. I said, Sandy, you know, we, we don't really have a really good relationship. I said, I've got a lot of Methodist preacher friends that I know. I can send somebody up there. She says, no, he wants to see you. Oh, she says, and can you come this afternoon? I says, he has got a brain tumor and it's inoperable and he's dying, Rick. I said, okay. So I hung up the phone and I turned and looked at my bookshelf. And, and, and let me say this. That, that, I don't know what y'all do for your preacher and for your staff at Christmas. Please don't give us a Bible. <laughs> I have over a hundred Bibles. It's like, oh, what are we going to get the preacher for, for Christmas? Let's get him a Bible. Let's get her a Bible. Let's, you know, I don't know how many Bibles you have, John. We don't need Bibles. You know, we need tickets to the Fox. <laughs> tickets to the restaurant. You know, come babysit our kids. I mean, really, you know, do, 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 I mean, you know, just think, think about all that. It is so good. It is so good to be with you here today. Let me finish reading the scripture. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Know any grumblers? Each one should use whatever gifts they have received to serve others. How about that? Listen to this. Faithfully administering God's grace to the various forms. And if anyone speaks, may they speak as if speaking the words of God. When you share and when you speak, do you do that? So I reached over and I pulled out a Bible that my uncle had given to me. Dear Rick, 
congratulations on finishing seminary, da-da-da-da, Uncle Tom. And I scratched through it, and I wrote down this guy's name, and I said, read John 3.16. It will help you a lot. <laughs> Blessings, Rick. So I'm up at the hospital with this Bible. Are you with me? So I'm up at the hospital, and I'm walking down the aisle, and I didn't want to be there. Have you ever, have you, has God ever asked you to do something and you didn't want to be there? Or the first thing you say is, I don't have what? Time. So I knocked on the door. Nobody responded. I thought, great. Wasted my afternoon coming up down here, Jonathan. And the door opens. And she says, oh, Rick, thank you for coming. And she hugged me like my sister hugs me that I hadn't seen in three months. Are you with me, people? I'm thinking, wow, and I've never met this lady before. She says, he's waiting for you in there. I took a deep breath. I had the Bible. And as I walked in, he was laying there on the hospital bed. And his arm was stretched out to me. Tears were running down his face. And he said, Rick, can you forgive me for the horrible atrocities that I have said and done in my life and to you? He said, would you tell me how to become a Christian. I want to know this Jesus that you have in your heart. And I walked over to his bed. As I was walking to his bed, I said his name. And I said, before I pray for you, I got on my knees. And I said, God Almighty, forgive me, a sinner condemned unclean. Forgive me because I don't always show your love to other people. Jesus calls us to love one another. We are to love and to offer hospitality and gifts to other people and to serve him in incredible ways. And if we are quiet, we're not serving. Some of you may say, well, I just don't feel as forward like you, Rick, and go speak to somebody. One of the best things you can do is go get your pen And write notes. This is, a, this is a letter that I've had in my Bible for probably over 20 years now. It's from one of my daughters. And it is priceless to me because when I get down or depressed or upset about something, I can pick out that letter and I can take it and read it. And it speaks volumes to me. Write a letter to someone. When you walk to the post office or to the mailbox, what do you do? You take those letters and you go 13, file 13, file, and then you see a handwritten note that someone sent to you. What do you do with it? You take it in. You might get you a, another cup of coffee or fix you a, a glass of tea, and you just sit there and enjoy it. I wonder today if everyone here this morning simply wrote a note to someone who's not here today and just simply said these words, just want to let you know we missed you today. We missed you today. Isn't it nice to be missed? We missed you today because a kind word goes a long way. When I was at the children's home, I would venture down to the post office every morning. Sometimes I would walk. Many times I would not, but I need to walk. And I found myself in there with Lee and Mary and several of us, and I always would do a little devotion or like a little mini sermon, and Lee would usually say, all right, preacher, it's time to wrap it up. We got, we, we got work to do. And before I could finish, the door opened, and in walked a young lady. Uh, I saw her first. I saw the cane. She had a long red cane with a black rubber stopper on the end of it. And I quickly recognized this is one of the students from the Academy for the Blind. 
And she tapped her way in, and as she was coming through the door, she inadvertently dropped her keys. I reached down, picked up her keys, grabbed her hand, turned it over, and put the keys back into her hand. And I said, here are your keys, sweet lady. And she said, well, thank you, kind sir. She said, my name's Teresa. I said, my name's Rick. She said, Rick, she says, she says, you know, I'm blind. I'm thinking, no kidding. <laughs> and I, I mean, how do you respond to something like that? You know, I'm blind. I stood there a minute and I said, OK, I said, well, you know, I'm fat. <laughs> and she very quickly said these words. Rick, you don't look fat to me. A kind word. Just a loving, kind word. Peter knew that the church needed to be full of people with kind words because in a world that we live in today, there are so many ugly words that are being said. I mean, even on television. I sound like a Baptist preacher, don't I? You just cut on the television within 10 minutes, you're going to hear something really, really ugly. I'm thinking, my gosh, why do we watch it? And yet we do. Here I am right there in front of the television watching some crazy idiotic show. God wants us to love one another and help one another and to do it without grumbling. I don't know if y'all assigned all the different committee members. I just, I, I, I remember when I was serving Centenary, uh, before I announced all the committee members and who all was serving everything, I said, next, this week, I'm going to make the announcement. It was really the following Sunday. And I said, if I call you, will you do me a favor? And everybody just looked at me in the church. I said, would you, would you be excited about it? And so I called a friend of mine who was in the church and he was going to be the new SBRC chair. I said, I want to let you know that the committee decided, the nominations committee wants you to be the new chair. And he said, I was hoping you would call me. I'm so excited. And I said, are you really, Kip? He said, no, I'm not excited about being the conference chair, but I'm just trying to be nice to you. Words create worlds and an encouraging word can be so uplifting and you never know, you'll never know whose life you were affect by having that encouraging word. Think about all the people who gave you that encouraging word. Miss Clarabelle Bryant was my second grade teacher. And when I graduated from Emory, from Oxford and from Emory, I went to seminary. This was in the early, early 80s, 1980. And you know, every month I received a handwritten note from Miss Clarabelle Bryant with a check for $25 in it, $25 now. And it said, Dear Ricky, and it would always end, I believe in you. People, God believes in you. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And he calls us to love each other. But sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Even when God calls us to love one another. Let me close with this story. My father practiced medicine for over 50 years in Rutland community, little South Macon community, rural farmers, dirt. We grew up on a dirt road between two farms. He received a scholarship to go to this rural area and practice for three years. Uh, his father died when he was eight years old. So he got academic scholarships both to Emory and to the medical school at, at, in Augusta. He served for over 50 years and he made house calls. You remember when doctors used to make house calls? Y'all remember that? Yeah, I don't do that anymore. You can do a teleconference now, I guess. 
I don't know, it's just not the same kind of knock on the glass. Hey, can you feel, you feel my forehead? Feel my forehead? My daddy used to call me and he would say, this is before we had cell phones when I was out at Pitts Chapel. He said, son, he said, uh, he would call different pastors. If you put, put a patient into the hospital, he would call the pastor of that church and ask them to go see his patient because they were one of their church members. This is before HIPAA. He called me and he said, Rick, he said, uh, he said, I have a patient. I need for you to go see over at Coliseum Hospital. I said, uh, I said, Pop, have you contacted his pastor? And he said, yeah, I did. He said, but uh, he's refusing to go. I said, what? I said, you've got to be kidding me. You mean a preacher won't go see one of his own parishioners? He said, well, it's really not his parishioner. It's his, it's his mother who's the uh, member of the church, but he ne he's never joined a church. And uh, I'd like for you to go and visit with him. And he's not doing well. In fact, he's dying, son. I said, what's he dying of? He says, he's got AIDS. Now, you remember back in the 80s, if somebody mentioned AIDS, that's like, woo, you kind of like took one step back. You didn't want to be around them. You, you doggone didn't want to go in the bathroom after somebody had AIDS. I mean, you, you know, you talk about today, this pandemic with, with the COVID variant going around. I mean, it was, it was hard. Y'all remember this? How scared, how frightened we were? He's got, he's got AIDS. You know, it's like he's got cooties, you know, don't get around and got cooties. So I agreed to go. And my wife said, are you, go are you really going? I said, yeah, baby. I said, I'm, I'm going. So I did. Went down to the hospital. Went to the room. They had all the PPE equipment, personal protection equipment outside. And it was cloth. It wasn't this plastic paper stuff that they have today. It was cloth. And it was that thick cloth. And by the time I put it all on, I was just sweating buckets. You know, even trying to put these little booties on a pair of cowboy boots, you can imagine that. I just put on the rubber gloves and the mask and I, I knocked on the door and somebody opened it up. And when they did, there were about 20 people in the room. Not a single person, not a single person had on any PPE equipment. I, I, I was, I, I, I was embarrassed. So I started quickly to take off my mask and my hat and my gloves. And as I walked across the floor, everybody was just looking at me the family members I made it to the bed and there he was laying in the bed probably 80 pounds he was sweating profusely you could see the sweat literally his head was just so hot and his mama was up in the bed with him and had had his head curled up in her elbow right here I'll never forget as long as I live and she had a wash rag and she would literally pat his forehead with that Wash rag, that cold, wet wash rag. I walked over and I said, my name is Rick Lanford. She nodded her head. She said, you Dr. Lanford's boy, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am. She shook her head. She patted his head again and she looked back at me and she said, you're, you're the Methodist preacher? I said, yes, ma'am. She did her head like this. Everybody in the room was just staring at me. And she looked up at me, straight into my eyes as if into my heart. And she said, what good word do you have for my boy? And I walked over to the bed, got closer. I took my hand and I placed it on the top of his head. I could feel the, the, the heat and the perspiration just oozing from his head. 
And I turned his head so that his eyes could look at my eyes. And I said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you, you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, nor how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I looked at this young man, I said, Believest thou this? And he said, Yes. He died the next day. But there was love and there was forgiveness. There was restitution. Even through someone like me. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? That God can use us in powerful ways that when God calls you, rise up, go out. Share the good news. Love one another as Christ so loved the church. Love each other. Do it without grumbling. Offer love. Pray for one another. But please, dear brothers and sisters, when you speak, speak as though using the very words of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said... Now we're going to sing this closing hymn and as we sing it there may be someone here who has never made a public profession of Christian faith and while we sing this hymn I invite you to come and stand with your pastor Dr. Smith and I'll be down here on the front and say I'm ready to join church or you, you may be a member of another denomination another church and you just decide today you know today I'm going to today's a good day to join the church I invite you to come and to stand with us. Or God may be speaking to you today to do something really terrific for his kingdom. You may want to use this altar here, this prayer rail, to come and to share with him. Please use it.